Welcome to Sunday Celebrations. This is the podcast version of a radio show that airs on Easy Music 3MP every Sunday morning at 8 o'clock. Thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives, every week we'll chat to the men and women who have each played their part in shaping life in Melbourne. Business people, sportsmen and women, musicians, politicians and this week a broadcaster. We're joined by voiceover artist and broadcaster Sean Cosgrove. In the mid-70s, Sean moved to Melbourne from his native Brisbane to join the greater Three Years End alongside an incredible lineup of talent. Bob Rogers, Don Lane, Bert Newton, Ugly Dave Gray and more. He's also spent time working at 3DB, 3KZ, Gold 104 and our very own 1377 3MP. But he's probably best known as the voice of The Price is Right for 12 and a half years on the Nine Network. A lot of years on TV, a lot of years on radio. Welcome to Sunday Celebrations, Mr Sean Cosgrove. Good morning, Grant. Yes, when you're saying the years, mate, I, uh, I kicked off in 1973. Yeah. And that was at a television station in Toowoomba on the Darling Downs in Queensland. And uh, Channel 10458 it used to be called in those days, and I was an office boy. And I think it's so, still it's still there too, isn't it? Is it is yeah. up on Mount is it Mount Lofty? I think it's the uh, video yeah. video road or some weird name. Yeah, yeah, you've been up there parking. We always to go there parking. I was a girlfriend. <laughs> and how did you get into that? How did how did you suddenly land yourself a gig at a TV station in Toowoomba? Look, the strangest thing ever. I grew up on a farm. I failed HSC. I was too young. I was sixteen when I did year twelve, and I failed it. Um, and also, I hated school. Happy star in my life. Best thing ever seen school in the rear vision mirror for the last time. And um, I, we had race horses, and I could pick them out in the race. And sometimes somebody'd say, Where is it? I'd say, oh, It's there in front of Pickles. Kellogg's is on the outside. And they'd almost be called on the race. They said, Why don't you have a go at that? So I did. And I was actually calling races when I was at school in year 12. And the kid who lived on the farm next to me was a year older. And we used to ride our push bikes to school from. You know where Mount Lofty was on one side? Well, our farms were right out the other side, miles away. Yeah. We'd ride about 10 miles each way. And he left school and got a job at Channel 10 uh, a year before me. And we're there when, when I'd finished, he said, oh, they always take on an office boy. I said, oh, good. So I turned up and applied for it with my little tape recorder of my race calls. And the bloke who interviewed me, he came off a farm about three farms down. So it's a pretty short price favour to get the job. And I started as an office boy. <coughs> Pardon me. And... Um, I did everything they dished up. I had a crack up a lot. I only stayed there three years, but I did camera work, coordinating, directing, uh, read the news, did a quiz show called Make the Grade. Um, and I had a go. I was like, whatever came my way, I did it and just learned so much. It was wonderful. I know that in recent years, racing's been a big part of your life, but I didn't realise it actually went back that far. Like, we're talking about, you know, well before you even started work and really you had race horses as a kid, or horse race, or oh, yeah. horses as a kid. These days, look, Huey Bowman and I have got a couple of things in common. I said to Huey, we're both the same shirt size, SM. He's small men's and I'm small marquee. I am a big boy. But, and um, I said to Huey, that, mate, you ride at 54 kilos. I weighed that at birth. Now, I was a lot smaller. And when I used to actually ride pepper when I was about uh, 14, 15. So, yeah, I've been involved in racing all my life. Yeah, I spoke to Brian Martin last week, who's just an incredible man. And, and, you know, when you look at all that he's achieved over the years in, in the broadcast and, and racing industry, um, it, it's given me an amazing appreciation for how challenging that side of the gig is, being a, being a, a, a racing person, being right into the horse racing and the, and the race calling side of things. It's a, it's a real skill, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Brian was an absolutely superb caller, a wonderful caller, and uh, what people don't realise sometimes, hey, oh, you idiot, you missed that in the run. I said, well, you ought to have a crack at it one day. Mm. And 
Imagine 20 people coming into a room. You've got to learn their names in about you know, two minutes and they come out and they run back in a different order. You've got to remember them all. That's basically a good way to describe it. Yeah, it is, isn't it? That's, it's a really tough gig. Well, in 1976, you moved to Melbourne, if my uh, research yeah. is right, and you landed a gig with some of these, you know, two-bit hacks by the name of Bob Rogers, Don Lane, Bert Newton, Ugly Dave Gray. Yeah, that was... Well, I, look, I found that roster recently and I showed it to my kids and I said, pick the odd one out. <laughs> so this is find the Brumby at Flemington on Cup Day. Early breakfast, Bob Rogers and Peter Byrne. 8 o'clock, Don Lane. 8.30, Don Lane and Bert Newton. 9 o'clock, Bert Newton. Midday till 4, me. 4 till 6, Ugly Day, Gray and Peter James. I was in amongst absolute nutter superstars and what beautiful people. All of them, they were wonderful. It's like a team of the century, isn't it, in the radio game? Yeah, yeah bar me. I was, the, I was the ball boy, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you must have, I mean, what were you, 20-something at that stage? 21, yeah. roughly, at that stage? <laughs> You know, one of my best memories, the first, I got there on a Moomba weekend, I didn't know anyone, didn't know a soul, but on a Tuesday, after the public holiday, I walked in the building, anyway, um, I'm standing outside the announcer's room, and I'm making a cup of coffee, and this voice said, wait, one if you make one, I said, right, I mate, never dawned on me, it was an American accent, and I walked in the coffee, and oh my God, it's gone lame, <laughs> and here I was on the Thursday night before, on the farm outside to Wimble with my mum and dad, watching the Don Lane show on TV, and I said, it's incredible. Mm. Look, we're watching Don Lane here, and I've been working on the farm today, and I'm going to be working on the next week. Well, he sat down with me, and I reckon spent 45 minutes with me, helping me find areas where I could get a flat. He was just terrific. Don, he got a Melway out in Shami suburbs, got the, the age from the previous week, because in those days you'd look up flats to rent, you know, on the Wednesday. Mm. And he spent all this time, wrote out suburbs, prices, said, come, go and have a look tomorrow, Wednesday. Get back to me Thursday if you need any help. Couldn't believe it. Yeah, yeah, what a what a wonderful man. I've worked in stations where the on air talent don't necessarily mix with each other, but was that a group of people that actually I'm not saying went out and had a beer every night of the week, but were they did they get together at all? Is it or were they quite not, separate? No, look quite probably quite separate, mainly because of um work commitments and things like that. Yeah. I mean, Ugly Dave flew down uh, once a fortnight and pre recorded all his pieces with Peter James. Hmm. Um, and Don often worked from home. Uh, via a landline, and Bert was in the studio. So, yeah, it was just a, you know, and Bob, uh, Bob Rogers came in early in the morning. Yeah, so it was just a situation of circumstances just prevented that, I suppose. And, and you spent time at Gold 104, and of course, um, it was Gold, was it Gold 104.3? Then it was, yeah. it wasn't three, it wasn't KZFM then, was it, it was Gold 104.3 yeah. then. And of course, a stint at, at our uh, little neck of the woods 3MP. Any, any great memories of the 3MP days or any fond yeah. memories? You know what, I loved, I, honestly, I loved 3MP and I always did. Back in the days when it first kicked off, that summer feeling, you know, Bay City Radio, just, and you listen to it and it just sounded fresh, mm. friendly, warm, engaging. You wanted to be a part of it and you wanted it to be a part of your life. It was just wonderful. And when I got the chance to work there, I loved it and the music was great. The easy music is just superb. And it's just one of those, it's a, you know what, it's a radio station, you feel, it's like coming home to you. You feel comfortable and then you, you're turned on. Mm. It's a great radio station, 3MP. Well, certainly something we're trying to do a little bit at the moment is recreate a bit of that warm summer-type feel about it, or at least that sort of friendly, um, safe place to hang out sort of feel is certainly something we're trying to work on at the moment. And so far, so good. It seems like the the, the responses so far have been brilliant. Yeah, to me, it's family. It's a family radio station where mm. people... These days, there are a lot of radio stations where if you had young children, you would not want them to be listening to it. Mm. And, you know, it's funny, over the years, like I did those gotcha calls, the hoax phone calls, I oh, yeah. for years. 
and they were good fun. And look, other people did them. The ones they did, I'll be honest, a lot of them are nasty and just stupid and harassment. That's all they were. Mm. They'd ring up somebody eight times in a row and say, I want to buy chocolate sausages or something. That's not funny. We used to do stuff that was just so stupid. You think they've got to wake up shortly, but this is you know, not, not 100%. But at the end of it, we had three criteria. It had to sound funny. The person had to laugh and say they had fun. They might call me everything, but they'd laugh and say they had fun. And thirdly, they had to give their approval for it to go to air and say, yeah, that's good fun. You can put it to air. Yeah. And that was the way we did it. So it was just safe. You know, and some of the things we did were stupid, absolutely ridiculous. But I remember talking to Mike one day and I told him I was NASA Dandenong. And he believed me. And uh, I had him communicating between me and John Glenn up in space. <laughs> and I was doing all the voices. And I looked at it, I said to him, uh, John Glenn, I said, you want me to bring you back something from outer space for duty free? He said, that'd be lovely. And I said to the bloke at the time, you have to be a bit slow the way you talk. He said, what's the time difference? I said, three days. <laughs> it was just so stupid. It was harmless. What makes you think of NASA Dandenong? I don't know. <laughs> One day when a psychiatrist goes and checks out my very, very small brain, <laughs> maybe they'll come up with the answer. <laughs> Some of the things we came up with, and, you know, I remember one day I used to use three really weird names and the mate who was working with me, Macca, produced he said, I bet you can't get all three of them in the one call. And the names were Fornica Lustangle, Albert Frogmorton and Eric Gazotosaurus. I said, you're on. And I rang this woman and I said, it's Fornica Lustangle calling. I said, you know my partners, Albert Frogmorton and Eric Gazotosaurus were a firm of lawyers. Oh, yes. <laughs> 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 and he just looked and said, very good. Very good. That's it. Oh, that's brilliant. Well, I've, I've got a bit of a, I've got a bit of an audio memory for you. See if you can see if you can remember this time of your life. Are you ready to win? <laughs> Julian Suzuki, come on down. You're the first four contestants. Oh, the, the price, price is right. right. Yeah, the price is right. I I, I tried to number. Well, I tried to remember uh, uh, Jerry. I think her name was Julianne Suzuki or something like that. But that part of your life, how it was? Tw- was it twelve years or two? How many? Two and a half? Oh, twelve years. We did prices right for twelve and a half years. All up. Yeah. Uh, Larry and I started at the end of nineteen ninety three. We were booked for a ten week summer filling, and best bloke ever to work with. Larry, lovely man. And he said, "What do you think?" And we, we didn't know each other at the time. We became very close friends. Mm. And I said, "Mate, it's TV." They'll knife you as quick as look at it. And he said, yeah. <laughs> he said, why don't we just have some fun? And every show we do past the 10 weeks is a bonus. I said, yep. And I said, let's have fun with people and let them laugh at us as well. You know, mm. so that we do that. And that was half the fun. I think we were just like two juvenile, pure old schoolboys having fun and let people laugh at us. And we, and you know what? There was nothing nasty in it. No. And you think now there's a lot of shows on TV Cooking months of things, and there's always this edge, competitive, nasty edge. I'm going to be better than you, and there's that element that's I find unpleasant and uncomfortable. Yeah. Price is right. I'll never forget one day, Grant, and I knew I'd been set up. And Larry's giving me a wink anyway. Uh, this lady's all excited, and he said, "You bought something in for Cosy?" She said, "Yeah." He said, "What have you got?" She said, "I've made him a g-string." Well, the crowd's gone berserk at that. Anyway, he said, "You got it." She's pulled out this thing made out of leopard, nylon leopard skin. It was just horrific. It was about two metres wide and the crutch hanging down about a metre. And the crowd's going to burst. They were laughing there. And they cut to me and I was just deadpan. Larry said, what do you reckon? I said, I'm pretty disappointed, really. He said, why? 
it's too small, it's not going to fit. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the attitude we took. Mate. We just had fun and you know, it didn't matter why the laugh was got, as long as there was a laugh had and people enjoyed themselves. Well, you can tell when watching the show, and I must admit I've had a bit of a look back at a couple of episodes in the last couple of days and you can certainly tell that you and Larry got on. And I think whether it be radio or TV, when when hosts and sometimes people working together, and there's some really high-profile examples of this, but when people work together, they actually hate each other. But, oh, you, yeah. but you can certainly tell when people actually do actually, you know, enjoy each other's company and have a laugh together and stuff, because it certainly comes through. Grant, I can tell you, honestly, the price is right. Anybody who works on that show, the crew, the whole lot, it was one of the hardest shows to work on. When I say that, like the hours we put in, every game had to be changed, every prize had to be changed. It was work, so intense to work. Everybody ever worked on that show said it was one of the best shows they ever worked on. They mm. loved it. I never once saw one argument or a blue or a fight, and everybody worked together and were just great. But it was amazing. You look at it, it wasn't possible to put together a show like that, but it, somehow it happened. And I think that was part of the success that we all just had a ball and we had a laugh with it, yeah, with and at each other, and that was it. Was there enough red cordial to go around for all of the um, contestants? Oh, I've never seen such a hyper audience. Well, I'll tell you what, I think we were seven donuts down that road before they came in. There was a lot of sugar in it, and then the red cordial as well. But I used to do the warm up. I'd go out and warm them up first, so I'd have them fired up and frantic before they even started. Mm. And then we'd do the bit in the break, Larry and I in the break, we'd, uh, we'd get out there. Often people used to say, what we did in the commercial break should have gone to air. And I said, I don't think we'd be allowed to, sorry. <laughs> I mean, it certainly worked, and, and and some of the contestants I remember saying that they were literally crying at the prize. Mm. With and I didn't know who did the warm up until you just told, told me that. But if you did the warm up, you certainly earned your coin doing that because the yeah. people were absolutely fever pitch by the time the show started on air. And Grant, yeah, when you say crying, the other thing is it was life changing for a lot of people. Yeah, because there would be people walk in the door and you don't know their you know personal, financial, whatever circumstances, and they could have been struggling and had a really bad day. You know, death in the family, health issues, whatever you don't know. They'd come in there and they would fluke getting called out, come down if they were lucky enough, they want to showcase, you know, they could win twenty, thirty, fifty, hundred thousand dollars worth of stuff. And that would be absolutely life changing to those people. So they've come in within an hour, walk out and think, Oh my god, what happened? And we're talking about um the prices right, of course, and, and there was that, you know, iconic vision of people running down the stairs. Is there a blooper tape somewhere of people falling over running down the stairs? Yeah, there were a few hit the deck. You know the thing that amazed me, and you get a laugh. I said to Larry one day, I said, "Mate, I'm just they, they get frantic. I mean, people get so excited." And we worked it out over the years. We, we sort of estimated we had well over a hundred thousand people come through in the audience. And I said, "Lance, this is going to sound shocking." But I said, "Mate, I'm surprised no one dropped dead." <laughs> I said, the odds are, you know, with that volume of people that nobody had a heart attack. And we yeah. didn't. But you know, the most frightening thing, though, I would always say before the show, if there's anybody here who's epileptic, let us know, you know, if there's flashing lights, whatever, and get a friend so they can touch your shoulder when they, we'll see them when they're finished. Yeah. But more if there's anybody pregnant and close to giving birth, let me know. Oh, my God, Grant. We had women there, like, literally due on the day. The worst one, and I say the worst affectionately, She's sitting up there with a white T-shirt on. There was, it looked like she had a hot air balloon underneath it. She was that pregnant. <laughs> yeah. And the girlfriends are all pointy, and I've just said, oh, my God, what's the story? They said, she's four days overdue. I said, you are joking. You bought it at prices, right? <laughs> I went back to my knees and both myself. I said, please, God, don't let it happen here tonight. And I stood up and I said, I'll tell you now, I said, look, there's nothing to worry about. If anything happens, you can go to labor. Larry and I will take care of it. 
I said, he'll massage your head, and I'll be down the business end yelling out, come on out. I was never so happy to see a lady leave intact when she left. We got a phone call. She went into labour in the car when they got outside. They took her to hospital. She had a beautiful, healthy little boy. And they let us know the next morning. And I think they called him Showcase or Giveaway. And no. <laughs> That's sensational. Well, I know you also did um, some warm-up stuff on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, including um, at least an episode or two where there was actually a million-dollar winner. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did the warm-up with Larry, uh, with um, Eddie Air, Millionaire. That was... Uh, it's interesting with Millionaire. I watched it, and having watched, you know, doing the warm-up and watching the whole thing, and we actually had a celebrity, so a celebrity one a staff on there one year, and I got through to half a million, I think it was, and I reckon it's not what you know, it's what you, not what you know is right, it's what you know is wrong. <laughs> and that's, I reckon that's half the key to it, if you look and think, well, it can't be that or that, so let's get rid of two. You can only be one of the others, and that, that gives you a bit of confidence, and if you can work that out... But it was interesting, the two that I worked on with um, Millionaire, one of them was a bloke called Bob Fulton, they nicknamed him the coach after the rugby league coach. Yeah. And he said what he'd done, he'd always wanted to get on a quiz show and win. So what he'd done, every bit of trivia, anything at all, he said he'd written down. And he'd written it down in exercise books, and he had piles of them at home, he said. Because he figured if he wrote information down, he would remember it. If he just said, I'll remember that, you never did. And he said, so he thought, if I write it down, I will remember it. Yeah. And the other guy was on, and the question, the million-dollar question was, which champagne do they use to celebrate the victory of the Grand Prix? And he's thinking flavors, you know, Laurent Perrier, Dom Perignon, Laurent Perrier. And then all of a sudden he's gone, no, 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 mum. And they're looking to him, why would he change all of a sudden? Yeah. He said, mum. And they actually checked later on to make sure he didn't have, you know, because people used to use pages and things overseas that they checked. Yeah. And he said, now, what happened was, he said, I, I kept thinking it's one of those. Then all of a sudden he said, I remembered, and this is, I mean, how could you do this under the pressure of a million bucks? Yeah. He said, I remember getting up and going to the toilet the other morning and my son was up watching the Grand Prix like at 2.33 in the morning. Yeah. He said, I remember stopping and looking at the dais and so I start, thought to myself, what did that picture look like? And he said, what well, I kept thinking to myself, what did I He said, I kept thinking to myself, all of a sudden, hang on. The bottle of champagne didn't have a big word on it. The logo didn't look... And he said the only one that was short was Mum. So he took the pun, it was Mum. Oh. did lock in Mum and then a million bucks. And you think a lot of the time those those million-dollar questions are a bit of a punt, aren't they? Because even even if you think you know the answer, the adrenaline would be playing in your head that, oh. you know, to, that self-doubt would absolutely be, you know, pumping through your head. If I lined up 10 people and said, um, and then say your registration plate is uh, ABC123, and I just said to you straight up, no, it's ACB123, you would immediately doubt it. Mm. Quite often you do, and you find people that yeah. think, hang on, it's something so obvious, I thought I knew it. Um, but if you throw something into the mix, it puts doubt in the mind. And that's what happens with those. You look at the four answers and think, which one could it be? And I think often, if you, you know, when you watch Millionaire or Hot Street, whatever, they the next week or two, have a look and see. Try that and go, you know what, which two can't it be? Mm. And that'll eliminate two straight off. All right, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try yeah. it. And uh, well, I'm not. Whatever you win, we're halves, remember? Whatever you win, we're halves. <laughs> well, yeah, well, it won't be much. I'll give you the tip. Won't be much at all. So, Sean, what's on now? You know, you've had some changes over the last few weeks and there's some, some yep. things on the horizon. What Any any uh, little yep. secrets you can let out about what's next for Sean Cosgrove? Uh, I've been working for a while and we've just about got ready um, for, on a uh, cooking show for TV for people with issues. I won't go into too much detail, but yeah. um, we've got a pilot shot for that to support 
uh, one of the big government agencies and uh, sponsorship support already. So hopefully we'll get that on air uh, sometime uh, in the, you know, the first half of the year. I also have a funeral business where I do printing and tribute videos for funerals. Uh, I've had that going for probably about seven or eight years. Yeah, and, I'd, I'd um, heard about the funeral thing. Tell me about that. Is it? It's. It's. it's you do um, the the printing side of things and, and video tributes. Yeah. yeah, I do. I do the video tributes and I print the uh, the orders of service, mass booklets, uh, bookmarks, you know, thank you cards, all that sort of thing in the tributes. And that just happened out almost like by accident about seven or eight years ago. I lost about five friends in five months. I did some stuff as favours. And um, anyway, one thing led to another. So, yeah, that's been a, a good business for me over the years yeah. doing that. Yeah. And I do voiceovers as well. Still do a lot of voiceovers, um, uh, yeah, for commercials, whatever. So, no, I've got, I've got plenty on, which is good. Thank you so much for your time and, and have a wonderful 2021. And hopefully, after the crazy year we had last year, we can get out and do a bit more exciting stuff this year. Yeah, exactly. It's better than being locked up all the time. Good on you, Grant. And uh, I hope everyone has just a, a magnificent 2021. Keep listening to 3MP. The Sunday Celebrations radio show airs on Easy Music 3MP in Melbourne every Sunday morning at 8 o'clock. Next week, we'll have another exciting guest. Until then, I'm your host, Grant Johnston. Thanks for listening.